0: You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network.
1: Nothing's going your way. You've had a bad day. It's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth say take a deep breath. From Fade to Gray, it's mental. Seth Showalter here, and I'm with my co-host, Michelle Collins. How are you doing, Michelle?
0: Good, good. How are you? Oh,
1: I'm here. (laughs) And we're here to record the second installment of the Body Dysmorphia series. And last week, Michelle and I, in order to talk about this, in order to really talk about feeling essentially insecure within your body image and different parts of yourself, Uh, we really wanted to first tackle self-esteem and self-confidence, which was our first installment. So now that we're rolling into the second episode, Michelle, what are we going to talk about today?
0: Well, I think we have to go back and reevaluate the definition of body dysmorphia, first and foremost, per the DSM, uh, as it is a diagnosable mental disorder. Mm-hmm. So I think we kind of have to go back to that. And I know that you had briefly mentioned that in, in the previous episode to this series, but I think we have to go back to it. And I think that we have to get a little more in depth. So this this episode may be just a tiny bit more mental health-ish. Clinical, perhaps. <laughs> Clinical, there you go. <laughs> because it is an important subject. It is an important uh, thing to understand. Mm-hmm. And I know you had pointed out, and you were very adamant last week about making the differentiation between the idea of self-esteem and body dysmorphia, not always. Yeah. And, and so I think we need to reiterate that again. I think that that should be said each time we're talking about this, just because I wouldn't want anybody to assume that just because you've got a problem with self-confidence or self-esteem that you automatically have body dysmorphia, because this is very specific in its diagnosis. Uh Yes.
1: And when we so, look at that, so so it's very important to know. So if you are having low self-esteem and you're having difficulty feeling confident, it does not mean that you have body dysmorphia. When we talk about body dysmorphia, what we're really referencing is this preoccupation with imagined physical defects or a minor defect that others can often not see. But it, it has to deal with these thoughts around feeling as if you are ugly or feeling as if you are unacceptable, not as a person necessarily, but in regards to your appearance. Would you agree with that, Michelle?
0: Oh, for sure. And and it's a very difficult thing to discern, I think, because all of us have things about ourselves that we're unhappy with. Yes. If we're honest, everybody that looks in the mirror Sees, oh, you know, my nose is too big. My ears are too big. You know, I have scars or, you know, my eye, one eye droops because I have a droopy eye. It drives me crazy. So uh, there's all those little things like that that we all see when we look in the mirror. And again, that's not necessarily body dysmorphia. That's just human element being uncomfortable with ourselves and what we perceive as to be something unattractive about ourselves. Right. Or it could be something that has been mentioned to us, you know, as children as we've grown into adulthood things that keep coming back and we end up feeling very self-conscious about mm-hmm. again that does not denote body dysmorphia per se it could so why don't we go back over or should we start with our mental minute first
1: we really should start with the mental minute okay. but you know i i just i like the fact that we kind of opened this up with the definition but yeah. but let's let's hold on that for a second and let's first dive into how we are doing, because, I mean, if we're going to talk about this, we're going to be real and vulnerable and actually talk about how this really affects us. Yeah. So we should get, we should, we should clear the air. So yeah. how are you doing? How's your week been? Uh,
0: it's, it's been a tiring week. I, I'm physically tired. So that has been more of a challenge.
1: Is it in relation to like counting your calories and yeah. You yeah. Know, focusing in on all of the things that you're eating and not eating plus the gym.
0: Is that kind of, yeah, that's my life right now. You know that. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, that, that has been difficult. So I've had those moments where I have felt really good about things I'm starting to see. And I've had those moments where just out of nowhere, I felt like this isn't working. Nothing's coming together the way I need it to, but I've had more good times this week than bad times. So,
1: okay. Well, and I want to talk about the good, but let's, I want to talk about, What when you say you don't feel like you're meeting? Or break that down. The the bad moments. What's going on? What's what's, oh it
0: can be anything. It can be any tiny little comment, even a stray thought that goes through my head. I had a very big realization the other day. One of my good friends texted me and asked me, "How far out are you?" And I, I said, "I'm four and a half weeks." And I went, "Oh my god, I'm four and a half weeks." (laughs) And I I had a minor freak out from it. I was like, because it's becoming more and more real every day. And so I was telling my coach this the other day and, uh She's like, well, let's break this down. She goes, we have a lot of time for weeks, And she goes, I know four weeks sounds short, but let's break this down. She goes, you're doing two cardio sessions a day. I said, yeah. She goes, how many minutes each? And I'm like, 45 minutes each. And she's like, exactly. And she did the math. She's like, here's how many days we have left. Here's how many cardio sessions. Here's how many minutes. Here's how many total minutes you have of cardio. And I said, well, thanks for making me feel like tired, more tired than I <laughs> feel that's a lot of damn cardio she goes but it's also a lot of opportunity and i said okay fair so it's it's just any little comment like that it can just throw you out of nowhere
1: yeah i mean most certainly um (laughs) because oftentimes those comments speak to our own insecurities but i i want to know when you say like hey it's in four and a half weeks Mm -hmm. i'm not ready what are you looking for? What are you expecting to be at four week, four and a half weeks from now that you're not at now? Is it like more body, like mm-hmm. muscle features? Is it losing weight? Is it gaining weight? Like what? Well, what, there should be no gaining for?
0: weight at this point. There should be no gaining okay. weight at this point. I mean, no It'd only be talking. losing. Um, and yeah, that's part of it. You know, I'm supposed to not be on the scale. I really limit the number of times I get on the scale. Uh, I don't feel like the weight's dropping like it should. I'm, I'm an idealist, I have a picture in my mind of what I'd like to look like. And there's no way I'll be that in four and a half weeks, I won't be that in a year. So it's, you know, it's trying to keep this on a relatively sane level Uh (laughs) of what's achievable in the next four and a half weeks. If I had my if I had my um, ideal situation, I'd have a lot more muscle. I I put on a lot of muscle in the last year and I really thought I had put on a good amount until I started leaning out. And then I realized it's not as much there as I thought, which means there was a whole lot more fat than I thought. (laughs) So, you know, again, I I end up, I tend to have a very negative view on this entire process as it pertains to me. I love the process. I love watching other people go through it, but I just always end up comparing myself and feeling as though I'm not measuring up to the process. Mm. Although... All the feedback I get from everybody, including my coach and the people in the gym is nothing but positive. So oh. that's been a really nice thing this last week. I really, in a very uncomfortable way, made myself talk to some people in the gym this week, um, just asked for help here and there. And I got to know a few of them. And I ended up running in a little tiny girl. She's just a little tiny girl. She <laughs> she said it. She's like, I'm the smallest one in this gym, but I got the biggest mouth. <laughs> <And> she's right. <laughs> But I I had, I had one of the, one of the guys helping me with a lift and she was working out with him. And so she came over and saw the lift and I was starting to struggle and she unleashed some yelling at me. Like I haven't seen since when I was in the Marine Corps. They're like, come on, you can do it. Pull the weight. She's screaming like the whole gym can hear. I was like, Jesus. (laughs) But I got done and I said, thank you. I mean, that was the kind of stuff when I was in the Marine Corps and I worked out and I was competing then that's the kind of motivation that you were given. And I haven't had that in years. And yeah. so it was very helpful. But now she's like, oh, it's on now. I can come yell at you all the time. We're all going to be here. Like she just, I'm suddenly their best friend. And all that's I did awesome. was ask for somebody to spot me on a lift. That's all I did. <laughs> so that was a really nice feeling. So, mm-hmm. but, so yeah, sm- you know, good things like that this week. I had another guy in the gym tell me, he's like, I think you work harder in here than anybody I ever see. And I was like, well, "That's good. thank you. Because, <laughs> you know, you always wonder, am I doing enough? Am I, mm-hmm. am I hitting the mark, even though I don't even know what the mark is?
1: Right. I'm and <laughs> who really determines what, what you're right. doing enough? This is a voluntary thing you're doing. Yeah. And, and you're <laughs> the only one who can really define that. And that's why I like to ask what you're looking for. Because is it, where is this approval that you're needing? Do you need it to come from you or are you wanting it from other people?
0: Both. I'm a words of affirmation person. Mm -hmm. That's my love language if we're going to go there. So anytime I get positive feedback, it's very, it's very beneficial to me. And makes me feel good and makes me work harder. Actually, like if I get positive feedback from my coach, I would kill myself to make sure that they thought that highly of me. And she knows that. That's why she's very, she's on me all the time about the negative perception. So. She's trying to help you fight it. Yeah. She's like, quit doing more than I ask you to. That's not going to make me happy. Well, she's speaking the right language because if, if she were to praise that behavior, I would continue on with that. And the problem mm-hmm. with that is you can get hurt, you know, right. especially this close to, a, I mean, I'm, I'm terrified to walk down the stairs right now, honestly, in my house. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, what if I slip and break my leg? I'm four weeks. <laughs> so now I'm off on a roll in my head. I'm <laughs> yeah. mental about it. at allowing- the moment.
1: You're allowing that anxiety to kind of take a... Well, I don't want to get this close and have something
0: disrupted, so to speak.
1: That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So. You're on, on, uh, what do they call that? Not on edge, but you're kind of hypervigilant around being safe.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm trying anyway, yeah. You know, it pops up at different times and keeps kind of problematic. That's Ah. fair. But anyway, enough of this shit. I talk about this constantly. Let's talk about you you.
1: Do, you. you do talk about it constantly. I know. I'm sorry. Thank God it's in four and a half weeks. I, <laughs> if it was five or six, by golly, I well, don't. know Well, there are a it. few
0: more. You know, I'm not done with this until like another eight or nine weeks.
1: Oh, I, I forgot.
0: All right, I'm shut up. Not, I'm not going to mention it again.
1: I think you know a, a lot of us don't can't do that. You know, or oh, well, everybody can do it. I shouldn't say can't do it. Don't want to do it. Ah, there you go. So. <laughs>
0: There you are. Uh, all right. Now tell me about your week. Huh. Um, <laughs> I hope you all heard that little noise you just made. <laughs> um,
1: <clears throat> a lot's happened this week. Really? Yeah. On Socially speaking, within like my other podcasting endeavors, mm-hmm. there's been... A lot of emotion that's been shared over the last week. Has that only been in the last week? It has. Oh my gosh. And it's happened within the last week. And I I often take on the emotions of others. Yeah. And and then when I can't do anything about it or I can't fix it, I get frustrated. And so that's happened. And a lot of these conversations have occurred while I'm working. And right now, I'm teaching a class of a job I used to do, but I haven't done in a long time. And I've been getting up every single morning at six a.m. Like I've been getting up at five thirty, and I'm on the I'm on the computer at six uh, to try to get cases to get facilities that line up with the client that line up with the provider, making into trying to like vary them from being out-of-network versus in-network, and then I have to verify that all of them actually work in the system because we're using a training environment that's very, very old that doesn't necessarily, even though these things are supposed to work and they don't. And and my confidence is, this is on air, so I probably shouldn't share this, but, like, (laughs) after today, I almost texted my friend and said, I think I need a new job. Not because the job's bad, but because I feel like I failed the person I'm training. And that's kind of got me in a bunch of knots. And so that's been happening while all of this social stuff's been going on. Mm -hmm. Like, those conversations have been happening during the day. So, like, I'm on break, which even during my break, I'm trying to scrounge and plan out or make sure the next thing works. And I've got Marco Polo going. Mm -hmm. And it's just... You know, it it just feels like uh, it's been a very, like, emotional disaster. You
0: need to actually take a break.
1: Yes. And thank God it's Friday. Uh, In fact, (laughs) after this recording, uh, which now you know we're recording on Friday. Uh, Mm -hmm. But after this recording, I'm actually going with a good friend of mine, and uh, we're going to have a drinking night. It is... It needs to happen. I, and I'm not <laughs> suggesting that drinking is a good thing or that you should not rely on drinking. Not an answer to your drinking. problems. <laughs> it's not an answer to your problems. I just need to let loose yeah. because I, I'm i not getting a lot of sleep again. I'm getting, Aww. like, anywhere. I think I averaged three hours a night this week. Oh, that's um, not so good. So there's nights I'm sleeping two, some nights I'm sleeping four, maybe if I'm lucky, five. And so that's been just... I don't know. I, I don't I don't have words for it. I'm just kind mm-hmm. of blah in that regard. Now, I'm not suggesting things are bad. I'm not suggesting that, you know, the world is crumbling. I'm not trying to be right. dramatic. I'm just being forthcoming.
0: But uh, it's a stressful I, time. It is.
1: Also, last Friday, I got a new kitten. And by kitten, I mean yes. she's six months old. She's so um, cute. Actually, uh, Michelle can see her right now as we I record. Can. I wanted to name her Liza because I already have Manelli, so I thought that would be witty. But my <laughs> parents well when I say my parents, I mean my mother, was like, No, do not <laughs> name her Liza. Lizzie is cuter, so her name's Lizzie.
0: She looks like a Lizzie.
1: Yeah, she she really does, actually. She's and adorable. She is. Manelli is not very happy, uh, still very on edge. I tried to put the cats together yesterday uh, for a little bit and they did not attack one another, but Manelli ate all of Lizzie's food and gave her the stink eye and beat at the door with her paws, just wanting out of the room. So we have some room to grow, but I do call that progress when we look at it all in all, right?
0: Animal politics. <laughs> mm.
1: It it is indeed a political situation. Yes, in this it household. is. <laughs> and uh, Minnelli may get v- voted out of office. We're Aww. gonna see what happens. Yeah, They'll she figure thinks. It out. Well, we're gonna see. They uh, will. But
0: that's
1: that's really all I got. I mean, I don't. So you
0: just have you just have conflict in every area of your life, even every with your area. animals.
1: From work to podcasting to taking care of pets.
0: That's a good thing you and I get along well, so.
1: Thank God. (laughs) I I mean I can can piss you off if you want me to. (laughs) You already do, you just don't know it. And
0: (gasps) what a bad thing to say to me.
1: Oh come on. You know I piss you off.
0: When have you pissed me off?
1: Really? Are you serious? I piss you off all the time. I say all kinds of offensive things. Okay, I was Why being, are you
0: projecting me being pissed off on me, though? I'm not. I, I've I never said you, I was I'm, angry.
1: I told you I'm blah. This is what I do when I'm blah. Let's talk about examples. <laughs> so of So now pro- I want to know projection. what I
0: did to piss you off. Nothing. <laughs> now I'm in my head. Thanks a lot. There goes my. Fucking you just.
1: Oh god. <laughs> I sure hope that is not where you're at at this point no. with me, of all people. <laughs> no. No, you piss me off just because you show me that I can do things uh, I could do better, and I don't want to at times. So you're mm-hmm. a kind of your. What am kind I telling you? You
0: can do better. Uh,
1: you aren't. I just look at you, oh, and then I God's hear sake. about so your I'm, bodybuilding. So you're
0: mad at me for <laughs> for stuff I don't even know is happening. <laughs> okay, I yes. thought I legitimately did something to piss no. you off. <laughs> no. Okay. No, well. No. 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 Well, we'll work on the other then.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll work on it.
0: <laughs> All right. Are you ready to dial in on this body dysmorphia then?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. All
0: right. All right. Why don't you go back through the diagnosable requirements for somebody mm-hmm. to officially have body dysmorphia?
1: So it's not a single definition. In fact, the DSM does this with several different clinical diagnoses. Um, but it actually looks at a variety of different things. Um, and you have to have a combination of each um, of these. And, and I want to note that perhaps the thing that really differentiates body dysmorphia from low self-esteem or may I say even self-confidence, anxiety, those types of things. It revolves around obsessive compulsive behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we look at body dysmorphia, it breaks things down to um, being preoccupied about your appearance, continuing to repeat specific behaviors. It's having clinical significance in that this is not something you're just dealing with, but that this is causing you serious uh, distress um, to the point that it's affecting multiple areas of your life. And then it also notes, the DSM is very specific and notes that there's a differentiation of body dysmorphia from an eating disorder in that an eating disorder is specifically focused on weight gain or weight loss. Whereas body dysmorphia really centers around and focuses on appearance and specifically looking at some type of personal defect or deficit that you feel that you have. Right. And you have to have essentially all of those. Right. In order to have this diagnosis,
0: to truly be suffering from body dysmorphia. So, again, and I think we've mentioned this in other times that 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 doesn't mean that if you're struggling with some of those that that's that that it's unimportant. Um, I think it was narcissism. uh, I was in a conversation about and we talked about there is a diagnosable level of narcissism, but there is a spectrum and you can be on the spectrum of narcissistic mm-hmm. behavior. And, and I think that's true for almost anything that we can talk about in the mental health, in you know in the mental health field, anything that's diagnosable. I'm sure that there is a lead up spectrum to that diagnosable level in which you right. can be exhibiting some of the symptoms or some of the behaviors without being completely able to be diagnosed as that. So, right. And
1: if uh, you're preoccupied about your appearance, it does not mean that you necessarily have body dysmorphia. Right. You may right. present with, with a portion of things that, that fall within the DSM, mm-hmm. you may possess characteristics of the diagnosis, mm-hmm. but that in no way means that you fully have it. You have to have all four of those things right. to a degree that it is affecting your day-to-day life.
0: Right, And I think that's important to point out. And here's why. Because I think often people struggle with these different kinds of things. They may not be at the diagnosable level, but they're struggling with some of the some of the the symptoms or signs of that disorder. And they don't say anything because there's such a stigma about a mental health disorder. That's where we still are, unfortunately, that mental health is still seen as an embarrassment if there's something, you know, off in your mental health. So even something as simple as having anxiety is actually a mental disorder because it's having a negative effect on your life. But most people won't even talk about it because they don't want that that negative stig- stigma associated with them.
1: Or they just they talk about it, but they don't refer to it as anxiety. They refer to it as other things. That's right? true. Right. I'm on edge. I yes. am stressed. Yeah. I just don't feel right today. Right. But again, I I think that we we really need to move to a point where we're okay with having mental health oh, disorders. I, do too. I mean, I definitely have a few. Talk about anxiety, talk about major depressive disorder. I 100% am in that camp. And I also provide clinical services and I help people with mental health issues. So just because you have a mental health disorder does not mean that there is anything wrong with you. I actually think that they are very, very, very common. We just don't talk about it. But I do think we're seeing a a move in the direction of people talking about these issues. Now, maybe not body dysmorphia because it is indeed very specific, right? Um, we're more going to see people talk about anxiety, talk about depression.
0: Sure. But and they're a little more socially acceptable. Correct. Yeah. I think what's interesting to me though, and I don't remember where I read it, uh, but as I was doing some, you know, research work towards this subject matter, one of the things that I found is that they, that some statistics show that body dysmorphia is actually, it was, I think if I'm remembering right, it was, to 2.4% of the general population suffers with actual body dysmorphia, which is actually more than, than people deal with schizophrenia. And in some cases, even anxiety, because some people's anxiety is not at a diagnosable level. So I think that's where they're differentiating. Mm -hmm. I found that part to be a little hard to believe because I really feel like more people suffer from anxiety than probably body dysmorphia, but then I didn't do the studies. So, um, but I thought that was interesting. I'd like to
1: see that research because I disagree with that too. Well, and I may be misremembering.
0: So let's, let's keep it there too. But I know, I do know that it said it was more than schizophrenia. Well, that's probably true. Yeah, I would think so. Cause I, I, I know we throw around words like that, you know, pretty easily, but all of these things are very specific in, in their diagnosis. So, and people tend to use terms very flippantly. Anyway, mm-hmm. so again, it comes back to how do we define these things? So that, again, that's why I think it's important that we kind of go back through what the the definition is of this actual disorder. But then let's talk a little bit about I, I was as I was reading through and doing more research. Like I said, I came up there was one where it was muscle dysmorphia, and I thought that was really interesting.
1: So there's actually two specifiers. Right. There's actually two different subgroups within body dysmorphia. And the first one is muscle dysmorphia. Since you're talking about it and that surprised you, tell us about it. What do you think?
0: Well, I'm actually, I'm looking at it in the DSM, but I was reading about it online earlier. The individual is preoccupied with the idea that his or her body build is too small or insufficiently muscular. This, (laughs) (laughs) shut up. (laughs) I heard you start laughing. This specifier is used even if the individual is preoccupied with other body areas, which is often the case. So, yeah, and typically that's more often men than women is is what I read. <laughs> and not to say women can't suffer from it, but typically if you're talking Clearly. about muscularity, you're typically talking about men. That's the greater population that's involved with trying to improve muscularity. So, I don't know how
1: many women compete in your bodybuilding competitions.
0: Not nearly as many as men do. Really? Not even close. No.
1: Okay. I, was, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean...
0: Well, I I think, you know, I'm thinking about the different divisions. Now, if you get into the higher divisions, like, as I said, there's different divisions for men and women. If you're looking at women, you're going from bikini to figure to physique, then to bodybuilding. So the women that are actually bodybuilding, they fit into that bodybuilding category are humongous women. We're not talking like they're, they're huge. So you have a full spectrum. So if we're talking about at that end of the spectrum, how many actual women are doing that? Probably very few. If you're looking at the bikini spectrum end, probably a lot more, Uh but still, I think in comparison to men, men still are probably the, the dominant category. Uh So, but as it pertains to muscle dysmorphia, that was a, a qualifier that I read when I was studying it. It was like, often this is more noticeable in men than women. It's so, true. And yeah. it's true.
1: I mean, that's that's not surprising. I will note that when we're looking at this specific specifier of muscle dysphoria, I can't even talk. Muscle dysphoria. <laughs> dysmorphia. Dysmorphia.
0: Dysphoria?
1: <laughs> did I say dysphoria? You did, muscle it, but it's dysmorph-
0: dysmorphia.
1: <laughs> muscle dysmorphia.
0: Say it five times fast.
1: I know, right? <laughs> the DSM does note that individuals with muscle dysmorphia form that have the specific form have been shown to have even higher rates of suicidality yeah. and substance abuse disorders, as well as a poorer qual- quality of life than individuals with other forms of body dysmorphia. So, I would say that when we, you know, when we start looking at these subsystems, when we start looking at these subgroups. Mm-hmm. I think you you do see more intense, you know, displays of, of things like uh, struggling around suicide and things sure. of that nature. What do you think and about I that? Think, and why do you think? Well,
0: that? I think I think that that there's probably a lot more going on in a person's life than just that. That may be leading to that to that you know, I don't, I don't want to say inevitability to that outcome. So they may have other qualifiers in their life that are leading towards. You know, suicidal ideation or anything like that. But I can see why this would be if you are of a mind that you are never good enough. You never look the way you want to. You have all these perceived weaknesses. It can become such an obsession mm-hmm. that it, it's difficult to get away from. So I can see that being problematic. I, do, I, gosh, I really hope there's not a whole lot of people that deal with it on that level. I mean, that's pretty severe to go to that, to that eventuality.
1: I mean, I think that you'd be very surprised in regards to how many, if Probably. we just talk about the general population, uh, how many people are struggling with suicidal thoughts. Sure. Um, sure. I, I think that it doesn't surprise me that much.
0: But as it pertains to, to this specific, the specificity though of, for this reason, I think that that has to be much smaller just simply because not a lot of people are actually functioning and doing that kind of activity at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very small percentage of the population. So, so,
1: So people who are are dealing with muscle dysmorphia, what might we see? If someone is struggling with these things, like what would would this person be doing? What are the things that would kind of like maybe be an indication that, hey, um, I might want to pay attention to this?
0: I think, uh, and we talked about this a little bit previously, I think Mm -hmm. anytime you're introducing the topic of any kind of steroids or chemical help, that's not to say that anybody's doing that; that they're all suffering from body dysmorphia, but it it is a good indicator that they are at a level in their thinking that they believe they need some kind of artificial help, right? As opposed to, you know, going the natural rate route, which takes longer and yeah, can be more difficult.
1: So if they're taking, so, I think that's a problem. If they're taking steroids, what might else they be doing?
0: I don't know. Are you looking for a specific answer?
1: Going to the gym multiple times a day. Oh, that might lots be of people something go to the too. gym
0: every day.
1: Well, a lot of people do. But I think when we start looking at the obsessive side of this, right? and I'm not in any way pointing the finger at you, you're prepping for a body competition. Right. But like just in normal everyday life, people who are going to the gym yeah. multiple times a day and they're not prepping for something. Yeah, I would say that a that's warning a loop. Little-
0: yeah, I would say that's a little abnormal. I wouldn't be in the gym twice a day. If I didn't have to do that morning cardio, there's no way I'd get up and go do that and then go back mm-hmm. in the later in the day, I would just do it all at once. It wouldn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I can see that. And it is funny, because I do get that reaction from people when they see me, they're like, you're here again. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm here twice a day. Why are you Twice a day. I'm like, okay, but there's a reason for it. You know, like this is a short-term thing. This is not me just like every day, like I have to go twice a day because I'm not going to be in good shape if I don't. That would be problematic for sure. And I, you know, I don't, it, it makes me feel bad to automatically make assumptions about people, but I have seen people in the gym that are so incredibly thin, like problematically thin, and they'll spend an hour or more on a cardio machine. And I'm, all I can think of is, oh my God that, that cannot be healthy because they don't look well. Uh And so I think that when you're dealing with something like that, you're looking at somebody that probably is struggling in that area. But again, that's just me guessing. That's not me knowing that person and what's going on in their head. So those are some things that I would look at and say, that seems somewhat problematic.
1: You know, and I, and again, it's, I mean, the, the DSM did, differentiate this from eating disorder, but what right. you just said kind of reminded me of yeah. that, of almost kind of you are seeing a different image in the mirror. Yes. Right. Yeah. What you what you look at in the mirror is not what other people see. Right. So those people you see, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm making generalizations here. I'm not trying to diagnose. I'm talking big picture here. Right. But people who are very, very thin, who are continuing to exercise an exorbitant amount of They may have, they may be visualizing themselves to look a specific way that other people are like. Wait a second, what?
0: Stop. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, and you mentioned this when that's one of the designations here is that it's it's outside of an eating disorder. But to me, the two kind of go together. They do. If yeah, if you have an eating disorder, and I think that's the differentiation that they're making is an eating disorder becomes its own separate diagnosis because it's reached a different level. Mm-hmm. It's no longer just, if you will, simplistically said, inside your head. It's now manifesting itself into effects on your body to the point that they're detrimental. Well, and so it's looking into, at eating. Okay,
1: yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Or, you no,
0: that's fine. Or lack of eating or, you right. know, the the purging that comes for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, I, because when I first read that and they they said, well, it's, it and it, it's not a just dis- eating disorder, I thought that doesn't make sense to me because it seems like, Body dysmorphia is not being able to see yourself the way other people see you. And to me, when I think about that immediately, when I think about anorexia nervosa, I think, well, those are people that still see themselves as fat often. That's what we hear, even though they're so painfully thin. And mm-hmm. so it, it goes together, but I think that's what it is. It's, eating disorder is now just a higher elevated form of this problem, but certainly still fits in the same category, I think. And actually, yeah. it does. And when you go into the com- uh, comorbid, Things that go along with this, one of them is eating disorders. Yes. So.
1: And I and I want to jump to that. I want to d- jump to differential diagnoses. But before we do that, I want to just mention one more thing that the DSM separates. It, it separates muscle dysmorphia, but it also puts in an insight specifier in that there are different degrees to which people deal with this. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and those levels of quote unquote insight can vary from good or fair insight to poor insight to absent insight and delusional beliefs. Right. Right. Um, right. So, so there is a spectrum even within the diagnosis itself. Right. I mean, we talked about the spectrum leading up into the diagnosis, but even if you are diagnosed with this, it, there's varying degrees. Right. And our insight to that varies. And, and the DSM is very specific to kind of point that out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But let's jump into these differential diagnoses because this does touch a lot of other types yeah. of mental health concerns. Right. So, I mean, I think the first one, which I already mentioned at the beginning of this episode, but is obsessive compulsive disorder.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Now, I think we have to say here, though, that just because somebody has uh, issues with obsessive compulsive uh, does not mean that they have body dysmorphia. When we're talking about comorbidity, we're talking about things that are generally associated with one another, but can by themselves be a separate diagnosis. Correct. Um, it's just that there's a correlation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to make that clear because I think I don't want anybody to walk away thinking, oh, my God, I have obsessive compulsive you know needs. I, I must have body dysmorphia. That's not how this works. <laughs> no. Just that there's some association between the two. So yeah, obsessive-compulsive. I don't know. Do you have any obsessive-compulsive tendencies?
1: I chew my fingernails.
0: Do you? I don't chew my fingernails. I do get very germaphobic from time to time. time time, Mm -hmm. Or I have to wash my hands a certain number of times. I'm very persistent about a, a schedule at the end of the day to check all the doors and windows in the house. And even if somebody has said I've already done that, I cannot relax until I do it. And as it pertains to fingernails, I do not chew mine. I lift my fingernails. I push up on them. And I can't just do one. If I start, I have to do them all. Mm -hmm. And then I can feel better. And there are times when I have to do them a certain number of times. And then I have to push them back down because that drives me crazy. (laughs) So, yeah, I have a few. Uh, I can tell you that all my supplements that I take are lined up right here in a certain order. And as I take them, they get put away. But this mm-hmm. is also that I don't forget to do anything,
1: right? So it's an obsessive behavior. Yes. But it also has an a goal at the end. It's a, it's it an does. obsessive behavior for a purpose, and yes. that is different uh, than obsessive compulsive disorder, technically, right. because right. it's something that you're doing for yourself. It's actually, in a way, almost a form of self care.
0: It is. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we do have to point out obsessive compulsive often, interestingly enough, people that deal with obsessive compulsive, especially the compulsivity of doing a, a certain behavior, typically do it repeatedly. They have a certain number of times they have to do something, uh-huh. which is very interesting. And almost always they're multi- multipliers of three for some reason uh-huh. is what I've read in the past, which I find fascinating. But again, as it pertains to body dysmorphia, when we bring it back to that, it, it is those little habits that you're compelled to do or, you know, you feel compulsively led to do in order to make yourself to feel as though you're you're benefiting yourself somehow for how you want to look.
1: Right. And that's, you know, that's how key. I understand it. That's the key. So when we're looking at body dysmorphia, it is focused on appearance. Yes. So when we talk about obsessive compulsive behaviors, in order to meet the diagnosis for BDD, you have to have, it has to be around how you look, your perception of how you look. If it is not that, it's definitely not uh, body dysmorphia.
0: Yeah. So again, they can be associated, but they're not necessarily the same. They don't necessarily go hand in hand. We already mentioned eating disorders. Eating disorders is comorbid with body dysmorphia, as we've already kind of discussed. I don't know how they couldn't be. And I, and I do think in the, in the next couple of weeks, we are going to talk a little more deeply about each of these, but, you know, eating disorders, uh, most people are are very familiar with anorexia or bulimia Mm -hmm. and, and those are the main ones, but we'll go a little deeper into that. But those actually do have some comorbidity with this, with this actual disorder. And then two that, to me, that kind of almost always go together. I, maybe I'm putting them together and they don't, but anxiety and depression. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, they're like come in everything. With this. I there's know. Like
1: the <laughs> they cross over
0: with every single mental disorder. <laughs>
1: pretty much. There's there's no mental health disorder, and I don't think there's no mental health disorder that doesn't have some comorbidity with anxiety right. and depression. Right. Like they are hallmarks when we talk about mental health concerns. Yes. So yeah. Yes. Well, they
0: should get their own series. I think so.
1: Oh well, if we talk about mental depressive disorder that would be a fun series just throwing that out there. Cause I have a lot to say. Well,
0: actually that's one that's on my list for doing as a series, just because really I've, that? I've lived with depression for so many years and, mm-hmm. and re- did not even realize that anxiety was a part of it. I didn't even have a definition for anxiety. I just assumed that there was something really wrong with me. And then I would feel depressed, you know, or I was struggling with depression all the time. So when I figured out there was anxiety there too, then I went, Oh, that's what this has been all along. <laughs> but we also have illness anxiety disorder. Now that one's interesting.
1: No, I don't Individuals, know. Are you pulling that from the DSM?
0: Yes, I am. Individuals I with body dysmorphic disorder are not preoccupied with having or acquiring a serious illness and do not have particularly elevated levels of somatization. Hmm. That's what it says.
1: Somatization.
0: So what Most is people it? aren't so even
1: going to know what that means. I read know. that again.
0: Okay, illness, anxiety, disorder. Uh-huh. Individuals with body dysmorphic disorder are not preoccupied with having or requiring a serious illness. Now, doesn't that seem backwards to you? I'm yeah. literally reading it word for word. And when I read it the first time, I was like, that does not make sense to me. Because it feels like they would be more preoccupied.
1: So, like, yeah. So, okay. But this is a differentiation, I believe. When we talk about body dysmorphia, it's focused on appearance. Oh, you're right.
0: You're whereas, right. Whereas,
1: whereas with other mental health disorders, you often will, you know, it, it, you'll faint something else. Faint is the wrong word. You'll pretend it's something else, right? Like you'll sure. think, you think you'll have some major illness and this is a side effect of it. The fact that they use the word somatization, which I yeah. don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but essentially that's Not me. That's, uh, so, that's essentially saying you're developing symptoms of things that aren't really there uh, based through your anxiety, typically, I believe.
0: I'm looking uh, it up because honestly, I don't go for it. I want to make sure you're yeah. saying that. Somatization: The production of recurrent and mo- med- multiple medical symptoms with no discernible organic yep. cause. Okay. So
1: you're, you're experiencing symptoms that aren't there. So, Hypochondria. Correct. But okay. in regards to health. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, okay, so that makes sense because BDD is so centered on appearance. You're you're so focused on that, you're not thinking at something else.
0: Right. Right. Well, the last one here that I show, and you tell me if you have anything else, uh psychotic disorders. Mhm. Is comorbid. Yeah. Body dysmorphia. It is. So, because... what, what does that mean? You tell me.
1: Well, <laughs> When we look at psychotic disorders, which I don't even like to call them that, but uh, yeah. like, let's look at schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, um, things like that. What is one of the common features within those diagnoses? Delusions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thinking things that aren't there. True. So it, it, it's not too far of a stretch to then okay, I can see that, that then. to body dysmorphia because body dysmorphia is all about thinking that you look a way that you don't. So it can right. be delusional.
0: I don't know I guess I think of delusions, I think of voices telling me that, not me just thinking it. I guess that's, well, that's how not, I see it in my head.
1: Those aren't delusions,
0: yeah, I know, but that's immediately what comes to mind for me.
1: what you're thinking <laughs> so. are what you're thinking of are auditory and visual hallucinations, yes. Yes. there's a difference between hallucinations I know and that. delusions delusions yes. are are based in in beliefs, yeah, right, right,
0: but immediately I mean, I mean we already kind of we were talking earlier about the that it was more, there was a greater preponderance of it than schizophrenia. So I think that's where my head is. You know, so you Mm -hmm. say delusions, I immediately go there. I immediately go there. And then I start thinking, wait a minute, (laughs) but you're right. Delusions are just beliefs. So I guess that makes sense. But so that's, that's the ones that the DSM actually lists as being somewhat as being comorbid with body dysmorphia. So, again, any of those, just because, just because you experience any of those does not mean you have body dysmorphia. And just because you have body dysmorphia doesn't mean you're going to experience any of these. Uh-huh, it just uh-huh. means that there's a, a, there's a close association often. Right. So, again, just want to clarify that.
1: And I want to point out a few more that aren't mentioned in the DSM but, but okay. can be tied. Specifically looking at obsessive compulsive behaviors, I'm thinking trichotillomania. And excoriation, so like okay. hair pulling disorders, skin picking oh, yeah. disorders, yes. right? Because it's one, it's about appearance, and two, it's like this constant obsessive, or repetitive behavior. You think and cutting
0: then, would fit in there?
1: What do you mean by cutting?
0: Cutting, like people that actually cut themselves for uh, to relieve oh, themselves of anxiety. I
1: believe you said cutting. Why? I hate that. Oh, I sorry. Refer to it as self-harming behaviors, please.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: it's cutting. I'm not a big fan of that adjective.
0: That's but what sure. they're doing though.
1: Well, but when we, when you're looking at self-harming behaviors, what we're really looking at are coping strategies.
0: Yeah, I know that. And that's what I'm saying. People use that as a coping strategy. They, they cut their skin to cope.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. So. I see. I see where you're going. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I was asking. Do you think it fits in with that? That's what I was asking.
1: I I want to say no. Like I I understand why you could see that it would, but I I really kind of view it different altogether. Okay. Because self harming behaviors are so centered on um, on the coping factor and specifically looking at feeling better when because that's really what it's doing. Like but isn't they're, that they're what compulsivity
0: is? I mean you're you're doing something so that you feel less anxiety.
1: Yeah, but typically self-harming behaviors are rooted in some type of pain and hurt rather than like an obsessive. Well, maybe it could be. Okay, it I can see. I, I yeah, I just never I've never really put those two in the same category.
0: Hmm. Well, while we're talking about it, I mean that's one we can talk about to bring out so we can get a little more in depth on that in one of the other episodes.
1: Absolutely. And then also, I also want to tie in because we talked about anxiety and depression as being hallmarks of all mental health disorders and and clearly having a role here. You also want to look at perhaps agoraphobia in regards to that anxiety piece.
0: Is that the fear of leaving your house? Is that, Yeah. Or being in public social social you socially distance yourself if we're gonna use a term everybody understands right now. Right.
1: But if you're dealing with body dysmorphia, you very well may be avoiding situations because of a fear of people seeing you because then if they see you, then they're gonna think bad about you and then it's going to prove whatever, you know, opinion you have about yourself. So I think it I think it can tie right in there as a differential diagnosis as well.
0: Yeah it's interesting how many different things actually cross each other like that. You know, the, I don't know. It just amazes me how interspersed all that is Mm -hmm. or interconnected. I should say that's a better word. So it's interesting, but I And I want to
1: bring up one, one more important point here. And, And that is, is that typically if a person is dealing with body dysmorphia, they are not very forthcoming. About it, uh, due to uh, fears of well, not fears, but feeling too embarrassed and ashamed, and fear of being negatively judged. Right. You, typically, when you're dealing with this disorder, it a lot of this is hidden, and they aren't forthcoming with it. Whereas things yeah. like anxiety, depression, these things, we're, we're more apt to talk about because, as you mentioned at the beginning, they're more socially acceptable.
0: Well, now I think there was a time when people didn't discuss those either. So I think Um, it's just a society becomes more accepting of different issues like that and finds out that more people actually deal with it, then it becomes a little more socially acceptable. So, uh but yeah, again, like I said, I think, I think most people have things about themselves that they, that they don't care for as it, as it pertains to their appearance. Oh, yeah. uh, maybe not, not to diagnosable levels, but most people have it. And yeah, we make jokes about it or we make little off the cuff comments, but we don't typically go and selling anybody I'm really struggling with how I look. I mean, that's not typically a conversation I think most people have. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I've never had that conversation. I make jokes about it.
1: All right. So that's deflection.
0: Yes, of course it is. It's a defense mechanism. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> it makes me feel normal. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, So, I don't know. I think we've said just about everything about this that we can.
1: I I do, too. I think that we unpacked the DSM, uh, so to speak.
0: (laughs) We were very clinical.
1: Very. (laughs) It's funny because... It has to be
0: sometimes, though. I mean...
1: Today, I did a... uh, I'm not going to break any form of HIPAA here. Oh, okay. yeah, uh, I created a mock scenario uh, for inpatient hospitalization. No, it wasn't inpatient. I did a residential uh, mental health pre cert uh, mock mm-hmm. scenario today, literally on an eating disorder. Oh with really? Purging and yeah, all that jazz. With all, you know, put in all the mental stat the mental status exam and then the situation and all the, you know, all the clinical stuff. So it's kind of like right fresh on my mind in regards to talking about uh this topic. So yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. I, I think and I don't know that we've mapped out the next few subject matters that we're we gonna haven't. talk about within this, but I I really feel like obsessive compulsive should be one of them, just because it I think. Again, that's another one that is becoming much more socially acceptable to talk about in my experience anyway. And I think a lot of people actually have some obsessive-compulsive tendencies that they may not even really recognize.
1: Oh, For, <laughs> for sure. That is without <laughs> that is without question. Yes. Uh,
0: yes. I also think uh, that one of the ones I'd like to delve into, and we may change this around, but um, I do think the eating disorders is something, even though there is some differentiation in that, I still feel like it's pertinent to the conversation. Uh,
1: The issue with that is that there's so many of them.
0: I know, but that's why we should discuss them. And we can do a whole series on them as well. I'm just saying that for an episode, we should do an overview of the differing types. Yeah. And then maybe, I don't know, maybe exercise excessive exercise or something like that or unless you can come up with something else.
1: Uh, Michelle, I know if okay, no offense. Um, Uh-oh. No offense, okay. but are you trying to use this show as a way of talking about all of your problems?
0: Oh my god. What a rude, shitty thing to say to me.
1: I'm joking. <sighs> oh my god, I really offended you. Okay, <laughs> I we I'm editing this, so I'll take that out.
0: No, you are not. That was
1: a joke. Don't, oh my God. I
0: know it was you a know, joke.
1: Did you not listen to imposter
0: syndrome? I used the entire <laughs> I, did, I used the
1: entire series. Yeah, what the hell are you I, talking I, about? Excellent. This
0: entire thing is about both of us dealing with all our mental issues. I just <laughs> say it. I just like
1: focus on appearance, focus on muscles, focus on going to the gym, focus on obsessive compulsive uh. behaviors. I'm like, hmm. Uh, mm. No. No. I, but it's, it's easy for me to, you know, say that and kind of point the fi- the finger because I'm not doing those things. I would, I lean far towards the major depressive disorder to where I just like, forget it. Like I just,
0: well, we I, could go I, there I too, care, uh, except you know? I really think that that's its own series, the whole depression, anxiety thing. So, I, I mean, we could go there too. Uh,
1: no, um, I would, I'm going to save that one for a series. I do want to. Maybe we should let
0: maybe we should let yeah. our listeners help give us some guidance as to which ones they would prefer to hear about.
1: Please, 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 please. So this episode should be coming out tomorrow. So, right. um, if you hear this episode and it is not before the next episode, please, <laughs> please reach out to us on Facebook and and leave us a comment. Uh, kind of give us some feedback on what you think would be good to hear. Um, I would love to to get feedback yeah. from from listeners on, on things that they think they'd like to hear in this in this area.
0: Well, I also think just in general, I feel like if you have an idea for a, a subject matter that you'd like to hear a series on, you mm-hmm. should drop us a line on that as well. And let us know if there's any specific things that interest you. Yeah, that would be helpful to us.
1: And then also, since we we're bringing that up, uh, Michelle and I have been putting out some bonus content. For people who support us financially. And I just want to mention because we're pretty, we're pretty vulnerable on the show as is, but with our bonus content, we're, we're taking it another step for, you know, another step um, where we're actually kind of sharing a lot of our own personal history. Mm -hmm. and it's made for some interesting dialogue in our Marco Polo community. And so just to kind of note that, that if that's something you would like to hear or would be interested in talking about, please feel free to support us, and we will throw you into our Marco Polo group. Yep. And then also, and I know I probably should I developed some shirts and stuff that I'm proud of, and no one is buying them. So, listen, if you would like some mental merch, I could could even try to put a discount on it if I have to. I just want to sell (laughs) some of this stuff.
0: Maybe they just don't know it's there.
1: Maybe. So, go check it out. Since we are part of the Fade to Gray Network, you can go to Store Frontier FTG Network and find Mental Merchandise. You get a really nice sweatshirt with our logo, our cartoon figures on it. How did that feel wearing that sweatshirt? It's nice with-
0: and warm. And yeah. I bought it big enough because I like them big. I don't like them to be tight. So I like them kind of big and roomy. And yeah, it was nice and warm. And- did
1: you walk around town with that to really like show I have, off? yeah.
0: I wore it the other day when I went out because it was chilly and it's supposed to rain here the next few days so there's a good Uh, chance it's making another appearance so
1: I I hope (laughs) people check it out anything else we should mention?
0: Uh, no we mentioned our Facebook group we've mentioned our Marco Polo our Patreon we've we've done the dude uh, we've done it all
1: we have and well one more thing if you have enjoyed this episode or any of our prior episodes please leave us a five star review on your favorite podcast app it really does make a difference in getting our name out there and and spreading the word about what we're trying to do here. So, yep. thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back with That's you next that. week.
0: See you later.